But welcome to Heart Talk 3. This is our third week in the series of, of the Heart Talk. And the series is on how we're communicating, you know, to people around us, to the body of Christ, to the lost, to the folks who, that are in need. And uh, so we're going to start with this week's verse, Psalm 19:14. He says, May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your, sort, your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, while it stays up there on the screen, I just want you to reflect on the verse and see how it speaks to you. And by the way, we're all unique. We're different places in our journey with the Lord. God has continued to do different works in our hearts. But as we read Scripture, the depth of Scripture, it, it, it touches our hearts in many different ways. But I'm just going to pause for about 15 seconds. I want you to think about the verse and just see how it impacts you. thing that touches me from this verse is that it is a personal relationship I have with God, my Redeemer. I'm literally talking to the God of the universe. I'm not trying to live up to anybody's expectations of what my life has to look like, etc. It's I'm asking the Lord, you know, let the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I'm, he's mine. He's my savior. He is my very rock. He is the one that preserves my life. He's the one that holds me in the hollow of his hand. And it's a conversation. It's, it's not a, you know, it's, and it's, and, I, and as you're going to see, we're going to come back to this verse toward the end. But it is actually literally putting forth what I want to say to the Lord before I say it, asking him to scream my heart, asking him to look over what I'm saying and begin to believe that he can speak to my heart and share with me what's going on. Tonight's message is going to uh, be three parts. The first part is the power of the tongue, and Pastor Tim touched on this a bit on the first week too, but we're going to talk about the power of the tongue, and we're going to talk about the inability of the flesh, and then we're going to talk about the power of the spirit. The power of the spirit to both control our tongue and to transform the root of what we're saying to people. So we're going to go to those four places. But look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is life and death in the tongue. The way we speak produces life and death. <clears throat> I, I, I've, been, I've been working with men for years. Um, and I'm going to share you two little thoughts about this. But if 34 years of school teaching, I'm a math teacher, and I know, uh, you know, that's everybody's favorite subject. Like, <laughs> and, uh, but I cannot tell you, in all the years that I taught, how many students would walk into the classroom on the first day, 
or second day of class and say, Mr. Sullivan, I'm dumb in math. I can't get math. Somebody lied to them growing up. Somebody spoke harsh words to them. First of all, they're not dumb. Secondly, we all have different ways of learning. We have different speeds of learning. Some of us process slower than others. I'm a very slow processor. I process very slowly. But, you know, they, they've come in, and before they even start learning, they're defeated because somebody spoke words of death into their heart. Somebody did that with music one day with me. And when I was in seventh or eighth grade, we were singing. Um, <clears throat> I think the first song I ever learned was uh, you, You'll Never Walk Alone. And I was singing it, and the nun came up to me and said, uh, I think you should just mouth the words. You know, you're really not doing well. You know, I never would open my mouth and sing after that. It killed it. I didn't want to do that again the rest of my life. That was words of death. You know, it was years later after I was saved and trusted Christ that my wife and I did youth work. I actually ended up leading the singing. And, I, and, and my wife taught me. She said, you're not, you're, you're, you're not uh, tone deaf. She said, nobody's ever taught you to listen to music. But we speak words that just deep into the heart, and they kill. They kill the desire to, to try or to want to do anything. Um, and I got a I was about a month ago, I was, going, I was cleaning up my office. Either my daughter's going to have to clean up all my stuff, or I do. So, you know, I started going through all my old records, and I found all these notes and letters that the kids write to their teachers at the end of a school year. They, they're told, the, they make, the English teacher makes an assignment, but the kids pick the teacher and they write letters. And I was reading one of the letters from one of the girls. And she said, Mr. Sullivan, she said, I will never forget walking into your classroom and telling you that I was dumb. And she said, you looked at me and you told me I'm not dumb, that I'm uniquely gifted, and that I process differently, and that I have a great future in front of me. She said, you do not know what that did to my heart. We need to understand how to speak words of life to people. We live in a, such a fallen world, and the world around us is fallen and beaten. I've been spending 20 years working with men, and uh, I counsel men, and I just want to share a little thing that happened with the and this shocked me one day, because when we're working and men feel inadequate, they feel like they can't be the leader who God made them in their home, and they, they, they just draw back from stepping out and doing things. And so I was talking to them. I, I usually would ask the men, you know, well, tell me about your past. What was your relationship like with your father? And they would share with me, and it just stunned me. Three times... In two weeks, I got this story. Well, the thing I remember the most was I was helping my dad in the garage, and he asked me to go get a tool. And I went to get the tool, and I got the wrong tool. And when I got back there, he said, What? Are you so stupid? You don't know the difference between this and that? 
We're talking 35 years down the road, and that's their memory of their father. Words that just speak and kill, and they kill the spirit. Um, and it is amazing how prevalent that is, and how. And I think many of you are facing words that you heard as, as in your younger ages that still sits with you. That, Lord willing, He will change. The, <clears throat> the power of the tongue. It could give life. It could give death. But now we have the inability of the flesh. The inability of the flesh, and, and Pastor Tim did this verse also the first week, but this is one of my absolutely favorite verses to understand what I want to share tonight. In James chapter 3, verse 7 to 10, he says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. What a statement. It says no human being can tame the tongue. That includes me. That includes you. That includes all of us. The tongue, he says, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. There is a battle going on inside this body of ours, and it's a body that has a tongue, and, but the flesh itself has no ability to literally control. We can act spiritual. We can pray to the Lord. We can talk nice things about the Lord, and then to turn around the next day and spit out, you know, vile things. One of the worst things I see anymore is Facebook. Some of the stuff that is put on Facebook by Christians is shocking. And everybody, you know, and, and you get the conservative part of Christianity, and they, sit and they say, I really don't like the way that people pick on Trump. Folks, the stuff I read about how Christians picked on Obama and Clinton are disgusting. The Lord says to respect those in authority over us, and yet, because we want to drive home a point, what comes out of our mouth is degrading. There's nothing edifying about it, and it does not glorify the Lord, nor does it glorify Christianity. And we need to really ask the Lord before we put something down in uh, social media. We need to be very careful about what we say. My wife and I, we went to a Bible school in Florida that was really, really good on the gospel. We learned the gospel inside out, that Jesus loved us. There's nothing we could do to get earn eternal life. That salvation is a free gift by faith in Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, the other thing we learned at the Bible college was that we were the only Bible college teaching the truth, and we had the sole authority of truth in us. And we walked out being taught what was role modeled by our leadership, an arrogancy in Christianity, where we're the sole proprietors of truth. And, and, it, and it was ugly. A lot of our graduates walked into churches and became divisive, thinking that we're the only ones that had anything right. The pride of our heart and the way we speak. Christianity is very, very capable when, when Christians are living in the flesh under their own control to boost up their, you know, their importance. 
and how we do it. We even, I, I would tell you, they even doubted Billy Graham's salvation there for a little while. I mean, that's how bad it was. And um, the Lord, thankfully, has really rocked our boats, changed and transformed the way we speak and the understanding to appreciate the body of Christ and what God is doing through the whole body of Christ. But we need to be so careful that it's not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and who and what he's doing in people's lives. About one month ago, my wife understood that the alumni of that Bible college had a Facebook page. And she decided to get on that Facebook page and see, you know, what's going on with the graduates and people we went to school with. And she told me later that night, she said, honey, she said, um, I get on that page for 15 minutes. And every other, every other thing that was shared on that Facebook was knocking somebody else in Christian ministry. She said, I took my name off in 15 minutes. She says, I have no desire to be a part of, of this type of life and attitude toward the body of Christ. But the inability of the flesh to speak truth, um, we can be so blind to our tongue. When we, when we were in training to become missionaries, my wife and I, we spent um, 10 years in Thailand uh, teaching and running a mission school. But in our, in, while we were training to become missionaries, we, were, we had some of the staff over that teach us and train us and tell us we could go, you know, to become missionaries. We had them over for dinner one night. And um, the next day I bumped into the, the fella, the husband, and he looked at me and he said, Dave, he said, you and your wife should take a tape recorder and put it on the table and record the way you talk to each other at dinner. And she said, if you get done listening to that tape, you'll be shocked at your attitude and, the, and, the, and the, the conversation that comes out between you and your wife. Well, that blew me away. I, hadn't, I was not aware of the fact that we, we talk so negatively to each other. But we can be blind to the way we speak to one another. We can be blind to the way we're speaking at the table. Our children are listening all the time. And sometimes you wonder why a child becomes disrespectful to the mother. You find out because he's listened to the father be disrespectful all this time. And, he take, and that child begins to take license to it. You know, our tongue it is a power of life and death. But we are so incapable of changing the way we speak on our own. But I want to talk about, and we're going to go from the inability of the flesh to the power of the Spirit. I'm going to share another story with you. How do we change the tongue? How do we change the way we speak? We were, we were pretty much moving along in our training. We wanted to be missionaries, go overseas. And what we do is we have three hours of classes. We have three hours of work detail. And we spent about a year, we were up in Canada in our training program to, to become missionaries with New Tribes Mission. Actually, Tim Van, uh, Pastor T, Tim V, uh, we were on the field together in Thailand. And, um, but one day on work detail, one of the workers looked at me and they said, Dave, do you know you swear? And I said, what do you mean, I swear? <clears throat> said I, I mean, I don't use the F word, the S word, uh, whatever, you know. I, 
I said, what do you mean? You swear? I swear. He said, well, every other sentence when something you say, oh, God, oh, God, this, oh, God, that. And I started to think, I wasn't aware of it. I said, I'm really sorry. If it's offending you, I'll try to change it. Just help me. I said, every time you hear me, let me know what I'm saying. <clears throat> so he said, okay. You know, and I asked my wife, Kathy, I said, honey, I said, if you hear me swearing and, and I realized, you know, that my mom did it all the time. So that's where I learned it. And it became part of my regular vocabulary that comes out of my natural response to life. But I asked my wife to help me too. And every time we'd hear it to remind me. Well, about a week later, we were at dinner at a staff family's house. These people that are going to tell us whether we could be missionaries or not missionaries and go forth. And we had dinner with them that night. And so the next day I was working on the back of his house and he's walking out of the house and he looked at me and he said, Dave, he said, do you know you swear a lot? I said, yeah. I said, I'm trying to get people to help me with it. You know, he says, yeah. He says, your wife kicked you twice under the table last night and you didn't even notice. So, so, yeah, well, so, but, uh, you know, and I said, I, I'm trying to get the body of Christ to help me change the way I speak. And he looked at me and he said, Dave, he said, have you ever tried the Holy Spirit? Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to change the way you speak? Well, what am I going to say? This is the guy that's going to tell me I could be a missionary or not a missionary. I said, oh, yeah, I, I need to do that. I need to give it to the Holy Spirit. And he walks away, and the thought that went through my mind was, well, what if it doesn't work? What if the Holy Spirit doesn't work? What if he doesn't change the way I speak? And I will tell you, as clear as day, out of heaven, this voice spoke to my heart, and it said, Dave, if the Holy Spirit can't transform the way you speak, what are you being a missionary for? You have no message. You have no power. You have nothing to take overseas with you. If this God is not capable of transforming your life, you have no message. That was the most frightening thing. And I sat there and I said, Lord, you've got to change the way I speak. And, you know, um, Zechariah 4, 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The Christian life is to be lived in the power of the Spirit of God living in us. And we need to become sensitive to it. It's, it's a faith work. It's an application of faith. I need to begin to believe what this book says about the ability of God to work in my heart. But not only to work in my heart, to but to also to show me what's going on in my heart so that God can transform how I speak, how I share, and what I communicate to people around me. The, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit has the power to change what I say, but he also has more than that. He has the ability and the power to change the motive of why we say what we do in life today. He has the ability to transform the motives of the heart. Look at Hebrews 
It says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Um, I think the King James says it judges the intents of the heart, the motives of the heart. The word of God, my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, is at such a point where it actually has the ability to examine the motives of my heart. Why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? He took me long from, he took me much further from just not swearing anymore. It wasn't the fact that I just said, oh God this and oh God that. He began to show me why I say it. And it's interesting how the flesh works and how the pattern of the flesh is the way it responds to life. But if I continue the story, as he begins, he took me from not being aware of what I was saying and how I was talking to becoming aware of saying it, to recognize that I just said it, to beginning to recognize them about to say it, to the point of where I began to change, literally change how I was looking at life. But at the same time, we were doing a study on swearing. And we find out that what real swearing really is, it's just talking about the fact that I'm happy with the circumstances of my life right at this point in time. It's the pattern that I've chosen to tell God that I'm angry at life and I don't like the way he's handling it right now. And, you know, and, and, you, and many of you might say, well, that's maybe carrying things too far. You ask the Lord if it's carrying things too far because what I found is that not only was I beginning to catch my talking that way, which because I didn't want to be offensive to my coworkers, but I'm finding that I'm talking like that, but I began to think, why am I saying this? And it's like, because you're angry, you're upset. And we all do all kinds of things, but it is the fact that it was a pattern of my life. I learned it from childhood. I watched my mother handle life that way. This is the way I begin to handle life that way. And it's a pattern. And we walk in, in a flesh in pattern. And what the Spirit of God wants to do is transform us walking from our fleshly patterns of how we handle life to looking to the Lord to teach us how to handle life. Um, it is our response to circumstances that reflect Jesus Christ to the world around us. It is our response to the circumstances of life. We live in a fallen world. And there are lots of ugliness and unpleasant things in this world, but it is our response to them that reflects Jesus Christ to the world around us. How do I respond when life is not going the way I want it to go? What is God doing in my heart at that point in time? There is no victorious living when I am constantly angry over the least little thing that goes wrong with my life. And we, now it isn't that we don't have pain. And by the way, the Lord, more than anything, I don't want to paint the Lord up to be something. He empathizes with every ounce of pain that we go through. Every disappointment that we have in life, he empathizes with us. He lived that life. The same things that we do, he went through yet without sin. But when he becomes my source for healing and encouragement 
in the midst of my disappointment, it will change the way I face my disappointments. And that's what God wants to begin to do in our lives. But how do I change? Our greatest weapon against the tongue is a spiritual weapon. Look at 2 Corinthians 10. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have, the weapons we have, have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It is literally an ability to begin to think about my response to what's going on around me. I remember my son used to be a nuisance. And, and the Lord finally began to show me how to love my son and not to see my son as a nuisance. My son and I are best friends today. But God has to do a work. I had to sit there one day and say, Lord, you teach me how to love my son. Lord, teach me what's going on in his heart. Help me to understand what's going on inside of him and begin to have conversations. I was the, um, the administrator and the principal of the school overseas in Thailand. And the whole time I was in Thailand, I only had three students ever sent to me for discipline problems. Twice it was my son. So the second time I took him out for ice cream and we sat down and had the most wonderful discussion. And, you know, it, it's just, but, you know, I have to ask and, 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 and talk. And uh, one time he wouldn't do his homework. And I told him, I said, son, you know, if you don't do your homework, I can't let you go on that trip. Well, two days of not doing homework come up, and, you know, I wanted to be really, really frustrated. But I walked up to him, and I said, Mike, I said, you know, we made the agreement, right? You, you can't go on that trip. Your homework was not done. He said, I know, Dad, and this hurts you more than it does me. So, but, you know, but we had a great talk, you know. But we want to build relationships with our children. We want to be sit there, listen, talk. But it's learning to take captive every thought that comes into our minds. The world fights with words, endless chatter of words, tweets, Facebook, and social media. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be on them. I'm just telling you that we need to be very, very aware, you know, of what and how we're corresponding and communicating with people. But God wants to take us to our heart and show us what is controlling our response to life. We begin to have victory over the tongue and the mouth when we learn to take control of our thoughts. When we're able to take our thoughts and take them captive to the Spirit of God, we begin to have victory over our mouth. So often when something is said, we don't realize it, but the pattern in our life is so quick to respond. We respond automatically. We, we come back with another dig, or we tear somebody down, or we put somebody down so we can get up. And we, we have this habit pattern in our lives 
But when something happens and we can stop and literally think about the thought that is going through my mind, the thoughts come automatic. But it's when we don't act on those thoughts automatically that we actually sit back and say, Lord, and, and maybe, um, maybe your wife, wife comes up and criticizes the husband, and she says something. And then the first response is, oh, you know, and we get this big defensive argument, and we just automatically, you know, go back and, and we, we, we charge them with some type of, uh, you, know, you know, you're just trying to put me down, you're mad at me, you're this or that. But when you can stop and, and the wife criticizes you or the husband criticizes the wife and you stop and you just say, what did they say? That hurt, Lord. Now notice the thought is real. And the fact that you can sit there and now say, oh, that hurt. And now as you can begin to identify with your emotions, you can begin to identify with the thought of being hurt. But now, instead of responding with a desire to hurt the other person back, you stop and you say, Lord, what do I say that would be loving at this point in time? How do I break this chain of conversation that goes on and on? And it takes, it takes time. It really takes practice, but it takes believing that God wants to heal a marriage. God wants to heal what's going on in broken relationships. But to break, to heal that, we have to begin to let him have his way in our hearts. When we go deeper into the heart, we find that most of our conversation is defensive. Most of our conversation, when we're automatically responding out of control, is protective, to protect my reputation. When we can give up the job of protecting my reputation into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for me. And when you read, I mean, Romans 8, it says, you know, what can man do to you? You know, it is Christ who died for us. When I can give my reputation into his hands, and it's no longer my job to protect my reputation, it is my job to find out what's going into the heart, through the heart of the person who is speaking to me. Lord, how can I minister in love to this person who is speaking to me, who's upset with me. Can I learn to listen to another person's heart? I will never be free to listen to another person's heart until I have given up the battle of trying to live and defend my life and my reputation to the world around me. When I give that into the hands of Christ, I am now free to love the person speaking to me. And But it takes believing in that God can bring our heart to that point where this is, this is where my heart is going to be. When we can learn to stop and listen to the thoughts and examine them in light of Scripture, we can begin to change as we allow the Lord to show us how to change our conversation. It means taking time to think about my response and turning it to the Lord. When we are too quick to respond, we lose the battle. We need to slow down and ask the Lord, what's going on here? Look at uh, 2 Timothy 3, 5. This is what God wants to do. And being a believer doesn't keep us from walking in the flesh, 
Romans 6 says that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey his servant we are. We can walk in the flesh or we can walk in the spirit. We can reckon ourselves dead unto sin or and alive unto God. But 2 Timothy 3, 5 says, having a form of godliness by denying its power. I had a form of godliness, but I denied the very power that was in it. The power is in the spirit of God. The power is in my relationship to Christ who loved me and died for me on that cross. And I need to continue to remember he is for us. He's not against us. He's doing a work in our heart to transform us. He will never reveal sin to you or I for the purpose of condemnation. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He reveals sin for the purpose of giving us the ability to have victory over it. We cannot have victory over something we don't see. But if we don't believe that the Spirit of God is teaching and speaking to our heart every day, we are not going to see it. We live in a world that is so busy, and Satan's greatest tool is that busyness and distracting us from sensing that we have a 24-7 relationship with the living God of the universe who loved us and died for us. We go back to Psalm 19, 14. We're going to close with this. You know, in Psalm 19, 14, he says, May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I am never going to share that prayer if I don't believe that I need God to show me my heart, to show me my speech, to give me wisdom in how I talk and, and spend time with. And, it's, and it, it's, uh, there's a book called Practicing the Presence of God. But it is so true. He died upon that cross to have a living relationship with you and I, a 24-7 relationship where I can draw on him at any time. I can be in the middle of a classroom and have a kid act up and want to pick him up and beat his head against the wall. But I can remember standing there and saying, Lord, what's going on in this boy's heart? What do I say to him? And I remember the Lord just touching my heart and saying, and I looked at him and I said, John, what would you have for breakfast this morning? Did you eat too much sugar? But it took the sting. It took the sting out of the whole thing. It was just stopping and reflecting and saying, Lord, I need you. It is genuinely seeking the Lord daily and trust that we can screen out our thoughts, life, our thought life with him. He speaks to our hearts. But the clatter of this world keeps us so busy we have not developed a pattern of, sh of stopping and listening to his voice. He speaks to us through the written word, the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the body of Christ. Are we listening to our Redeemer? He saved us so we can live differently than the rest of this world. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to be our editor and chief of our speech, and then we can't go wrong. Thank you, Lord.